Welcome into this Five Clubs conversation. I'm Gary Williams. And most of the guests that we have on this show have a certain progression that they've all had in their professional lives. Well, this week's guest, a little bit different. He didn't come from some decorated college program, and he was not earmarked necessarily to be a star on the PGA Tour. But by way of the University of Alabama, Birmingham, and then Clayton State, he started to make his way in professional golf. It got to the point that he ascended to the PGA Tour and was doing quite well. But he was hiding something, a drug addiction, and that's Willie Wilcox. Willie came out last week and had a very lengthy and exceptionally well-done story that was done by the Fire Pit Collective that was not only a written story, but also a podcast detailing his life and his drug use. I wanted to have Willie on this show going back several months, the first time I saw that he had gone public with his own addiction. Well, I thought it was worthwhile to have that conversation then, and even more so now, because unlike the people that he talked with recently that, again, did a brilliant job, Willie the Addict is going to be talking to Gary the Alcoholic. And only we know each other best, because we travel a path very similarly. So I'm looking forward to this conversation with a guy who's shown a lot of courage and given a lot of inspiration to quite a few people over the last week. With that, we welcome in Willie Wilcox. Willie, buddy, how you feeling? A uh, heck of a lot better. Um, feel better every day, every week. It's amazing the um, when you go from putting poison in your body to good things in your body, the uh, the transformation that you can go through. So I'm gaining a lot of confidence from my uh, just uh, you know mental and physical transformation over the last uh, couple months. I bet. You know, I I had mentioned in the open. Uh, about the, the the podcast and the article that Mark Baldwin wrote uh, that was released last week. Golf Digest had it. I thought the guys, uh, Matt Janella, his whole team at the Fire Pit Collective, we continue uh, to do some continuing work as they document your path. Uh, did a mm. fabulous job. I, I think it's it's one to be admired. Um, and I just wonder over the last week or so. Overall, the reaction you've got and, and what it's meant to you, because I don't know what the reaction has been that you've gotten uh, to this disclosure in your path that you've been on. It was a bold move. Um, it was a very bold move. And uh, that's what my dad said. My dad, you know, he he chose not to read the article, which I completely understand. Um, it's been overwhelmingly positive. Um it's it's helped me out uh with my lessons um it's you know i was like i wonder if people are going to be apprehensive to you know want to like be around me um and uh because of the things that i went through but it's been the total opposite um like tomorrow i'm playing birmingham country club just i mean i've received hundreds of, probably over a thousand messages and a lot of them are like people that are members at really nice courses and they want me to come play with them. Um, anyways, uh, I've seen maybe two negative comments and about, you know, and, and thousands of good ones. Um, and, but I've received over a thousand DMS uh, from people reaching out saying that they're struggling or, or they're sober a certain amount of time or um, yeah, the community's kind of rallying around. 
It's well, first of all, like you said, it's a bold move because as somebody the only other time I've talked about my own addiction, my alcohol uh, ism is with Billy Horschel. And it was not it was not to make it about me. It was just that he had brought up his wife, Brittany. And, and, and Brittany is an alcoholic, and they'd been public about it. They had gone on Good Morning America. And it's the first time I had, I had talked about it publicly, uh, but it was, it was not in great detail. And what I was hoping to do today, because only I can understand you as well as you can understand me, because we're on a similar journey of, of having an addiction, and it takes yeah. over your life, and you think it's yeah. going to kill you. And yeah. it's, 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 but, but here's the thing. It's a disease. And, and despite that, there's a stigma associated with it because there's still many people in society who think it's a moral failing. Like, what, you know, why don't you just have the willpower to stop? Well, it's not about mm-hmm. willpower. Uh, th- yeah. These are diseases of the brain that your addiction will even tell you that you don't have an addiction. That's how twisted we get in the way that we are about our own behaviors and I want to I want to tell you that first of all I applaud you. I'm proud of the fact that you're you've been willing to do this. Um, have you felt liberated by it? Have you felt like you know what I was keeping so much to myself? I've been a little bit more public. I've gone to rehab. Do you feel even more liberated in the last week as a result of talking about this and it going public? Absolutely. I mean, I hit it for so long, and um, and and I knew, you know, the overwhelming theme in this whole thing is that I'm doing well now. Um, I would never obviously go public with something like this if I was still struggling because that would be stupid. And uh, I want to, I want to convey a, a good uh, image when I see people, you know, so I'm trying to be around people every day and, and just so they can see me, see my eyes, you know, they're not pinpoints anymore. They're not red. I don't have bags under my eyes, no more crow's feet. Um, but yeah, yeah, I feel good. Um, I wish I could have made this change and seen the, and seen the um, air in my ways way, way earlier, but um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think I'm a product of my environment, but also I have, um, you know, um, it, it's passed down generation to generation. Um, so I think that's what you know kind of validates the disease concept in this whole thing. Um, you know, uh, people in my family have struggled with things like this, so the fact that I did is not shocking. Um, it's definitely, uh, hereditary. So, uh, but yeah, I feel, I feel great. And, um, I'm glad, I mean, nobody seems to have turned their back on me. Um, so at least people that are close to me, um, people that are still struggling have looked at me a little cross, but I don't need to be around them anyways. Well, you know, the thing about, you know, the whole idea of anonymity, uh, everybody has to make their own choices. It's, it's not about you talking about other people. It's you talking about yourself, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and you've made this choice and it, it's interesting. I, I, I identify with the idea of, you know what, I, I, I can only do this if I'm right, but it also, do you feel some added pressure? Like I've got to keep this going because if I don't, uh, then, then, you know, people are going to look at me like, well, you know, he said he was right and he was for a while, but again, that's another part of disease and addiction that you're only as good as today. You've got today. <laughs> And you've got to, you know, maintain your sobriety today and do it again tomorrow. Do you feel added pressure now because you've done this? Um, I mean, it was such a uh, just a hellacious over 20 year run. And my body had just completely it was pretty much giving out. And so it it became so dire and and so important that I change. Um, And the things that I was doing, you have to really go to some 
uh, bad places to get it and um, be around people that uh, you absolutely can't have in control of your life. Um, that's not to say I won't meet somebody in the future that offers me, you know, something and, uh, and it becomes, I hope that doesn't happen. And if it does, I'm going to run. Um, but yeah, I, uh, maybe there's a little bit bit of pressure. Uh, I've, I've quit for six months at a time when I was on tour because I was scared of drug tests for sure. So I've done it, but this is the most conscious effort, public effort, uh, I've ever, you know, uh, I mean, just admitting that I have something is big. And uh, I just, I feel so confident that I'm not going to slip. I got a lot of people, a lot of accountability. A lot of people have seen me every day and they call me out immediately. Um, so, yeah, I, I really do feel like I can do this. You know, when you go back and, and reading the story that Mark wrote, and again, I want to congratulate him on, on being as, as poignant uh, and as sensitive uh, to you in the manner in which he wrote the story detailing you know, your life. And it's, it's, you know, as somebody who, who, again, has been in dark places, um, it resonates. It, it hit home with me thinking that, you know what, I, I, I can't beat this. And you keep, you keep going down these roads and some of these acts and these behaviors. And I'm going, I get it. I get it. I get why he left golf tournaments. I get why he did some of the things that he did. And people will say, what do you mean? Well, because that's what you do. It's what you do yeah. when you're sick. Yeah disappear you you do disappear i, I want to go back um to when you first felt at least you thought to yourself okay i have to try to curb this um what was what were some of the things that you were having some of the feelings some of the thoughts that you had when you felt like drugs were starting to take over your life how old were you um probably 19 Cause I mean, we just between the selling and the using, I mean, that started at 15 or 16. Um, my high school was an open air drug market. So, I mean, everybody, everybody sold. Um, but yeah, I would say, I mean, it didn't start affecting my body until my late twenties, but like I, I knew, I mean, if you use every day for months at a time, I mean, you, you have a problem. And, um, yeah, uh, I would say 2012 was the first year as a professional where I was like, Oh my God, this is disaster um and then uh i would say in um maybe on the yeah at the on, in 2009 when the first year i turned pro over that christmas season I, I was i was out of control um i say as a professional it was about three months into my career because i'd made a quick like 50 60 grand and i was just you know that was too much money for somebody with the problems that i had um I want to point out a couple people along the way that because there was there was a couple things that really struck me. First of all, uh, the compassion of a couple guys that have been in your life, uh, Lonto Griffin being one, Andrew Luke mm-hmm. being another one that you were willing to start sharing with sharing. You know, God, I've got you know, I've got issues. And, you know, they had some, you know, their intuition was telling them that something wasn't right. But you also said something that that again, is a dangerous part of, of being in that community of, of addiction is, you know, like you said, you ran back to your Atlanta friends one time and I'm thinking those people are not friends. They're, they're not friends at all. They're enablers. Um, how hard was it for you? And this is something my best friend said to me when he came to help me, he said, you gotta, you gotta start to learn to trust people because I had stopped trusting anybody. Um, did you stop trusting people? 
um, when I was in the midst of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't trust him. I mean, I bought a camper and put it on the lake, and that's basically solitary confinement. And I just kind of hid away. I would actually move the camper, you know, uh, just so it would be on a different lot. And just, just to kind of like skate under the radar. Um, I've since gotten a house and I'm back to living like a normal person, but, um, not that a camper isn't nice on the leg for a little weekend getaway, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I sold the camper. Um, yes, I was as isolated as I've ever been. I was super paranoid. I was, um, you know, didn't want anybody on my case, even though that was, that was what I needed most. Um, I needed somebody to grab me and, and that was uh, one of my good friends, uh, Rodney. He uh, he grabbed me by the shoulders. Just a big old country boy. He's the man. Um, and he he's uh, who I uh, really um, give credit for. I mean, you know, literally grabbing my, by, me by the shoulders and shaking me, and and saying, "You got to you got to get help." Um, but yes, I was. I didn't speak like. Uh, for instance, my best buddy, who's an engineer at Sherwin Williams, and he's crushing it. Life's going great. Beautiful family, two kids. Um, awesome house and uh i moved back to town in august and i'd only been to his house two times and this is my best friend mm -hmm. in, in six months so i moved back home to back close you know to my some of my close friends and, and i just did i didn't go see him and now since i've gotten out of treatment i've probably been to his house five times it's it's and that's what that's what you do i mean i i you use the word isolation it is, it is, it runs neck and neck with the addiction itself. Uh, you're no. seeking to be alone. Uh, you don't want to engage with people. Uh, you, you're all you want to do. And even if I, I was, I was pointing this out, uh, last week, uh, this was back 2016, 2017 around then I'd be at golf tournaments. So there'd be 35,000 people on the property. I couldn't have felt more alone. Uh, yeah. cause I didn't want to engage anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, and, and I want to ask you as somebody who's, you're around this peer group playing professional golf. Did you feel isolated even in the middle of a lot of people? I mean, dude, the last three years I played on the corn Ferry tour, I played full time, um, 18, okay. So it was four, 18, 19, 20, 21. I wouldn't even go in the food area. I wouldn't even go in the food area. Cause I didn't want anybody to look at me. And if I saw anybody in the, locker room I'd, I'd duck the other way and um i just i literally couldn't even go into player dining it was it was it was horrible whereas i used to look forward to going into player dining chopping it up with my buddies you know just either talking about the course or the life or girl or whatever um and um yeah i mean i was i used to be you know at a table with 10 guys for breakfast you know and uh and, and lunch and now i would i would hit a Jimmy John's on the way to the course and just crush that in the car and have, you know, I'd eat like a quarter of it uh, where I should, now I can eat two Jimmy John subs if I tried. Um, <laughs> yeah. My intake on everything is ridiculous, but yeah. I mean, I would think that that's, that's the biggest thing that I noticed when I was on the road was just how much I just despised being around the other players. And that, that's just not healthy. It's like, this is your job, man. You just, you know, it's true. So. I mean, you, you, it, it, Again, I, I, um, the idea of, of, of getting away from people, not wanting to be around people, um, them almost being an impediment to, to what it was that was the priority in your life, which was, which was the drugs, which was the substances. One of the things that many people may find remarkable if they haven't read the story is that you were still able to perform. As a matter of fact, 
like 2014, 2015, uh, you made over a million bucks playing golf on the PGA Tour. Uh, as a matter of fact, before the, 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 the next season began, we did a season preview on Morning Drive, and Brandel Chambly picked you as his breakout player of the year. And mm-hmm. I said, why? And he said, well, look at his stats. The guy, the guy is phenomenal at virtually everything. Your scoring average, you were eighth in scoring average on the PGA Tour. You were first in final yeah. round scoring on the PGA yeah. Tour. The highest score you shot on Sunday was 71 for the entire year. How? That's crazy. I didn't even know that. Um, well, and, and actually in, in 15, I made 1.6. And in set six, uh, 14, I made like 580 and change. And then I made about 716. And that was all while being out of control I, I have no idea how i did it um i played over 70 tour events 73 ish um and um i was uh i was in full you know it was crazy it's crazy I, I don't i really don't know um it was just a mixture of ability and um i don't know how like i guess the the drugs hadn't taken their toll to that at that point give it a few more years it'll catch up um, and it did. Um, but yeah, at that time, I guess I was just so young that it, it didn't, um, I could still swing the club, but a fat, you know, a high rate of speed and, um, and my, somehow the shaking of my hands, I was able to time right and make putts. One of the things that, that Lanto in the article on the fire pit collective said is that he's never seen anybody who hit the middle of the face more than you did. And obviously you, you, you mentioned, first of all, genetics when it comes to the predisposition of, of addiction, uh, which is pervasive in my family as well. Uh, your mom's a hell of a golfer. You've got good genes. I mean, you're, you're blessed with this God-given ability uh, to create speed. Uh, speed's one thing, contact's another. Um, Mm -hmm. I I mean, did you take any during that entire period? Was there any sense of satisfaction with what you were doing? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I I had a great time. I mean, I very much enjoyed, uh, the good finishes and, um, the good finishes almost validated my behavior. Um, so like I could, the success of making a lot of money in, in a tournament having a nice high finish and then flying to the next tournament with some of your buddies and, and, you know, drinking on the, on the private plane and, and, uh, and consuming numerous other things, you know, you know, it felt like a movie. Um, it felt like, you know, you're in some kind of Johnny Depp movie. I mean, it was just like crazy. Like, I mean, I was like, how can I do what I just did? I mean, I would be in tears. I mean, I, I cried to Lonto when he caddied for me in the car on the way to the course in which he's 67. I mean, I would be in tears and in pain and sweating and cold. And then I'd tee off and shoot a couple under par in a PJ tournament. Um, you know, the amount of times I uh, broke down in front of him, um, you know, whatever. And, and Luke was always really cool out there on tour. He, he he was another one that would grab me and be like, you were being a little punk. You know, you're being, you're being a weak, weak man. And like, you know, you got to be strong out here. You're going to be gone really fast. And I was like, man, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, um, I'd tell him that I'd straighten out, but I never would. Um, 14 was a, was a really, really rough year. Um, but I kept status. I, I don't know. Well, well, you, you did because you kept shooting low scores. It's interesting. You said, you, you know, it felt like a party. Was there a lot of justification rationalization that was going on in your mind because you were performing? This is, I'm fine. 
Like I'm just, yeah. I'm okay. Definitely. Um, I mean, you know, the validation came from external sources. I mean, sponsors, family, friends, everybody's just like, I mean, they get to see you on CBS on Sunday. Like, this is crazy. This guy's doing great. Um, so, but little did they know, um, you know, when I got back to Alabama or wherever I was, you know, the people I was around were not, you know, I just remember making about a 40 footer on the 72nd hole in Memphis, my rookie year, you know, to the, to the delight of all the fans there and my family and friends were there. Everything was uh, really cool. Um, just a beautiful moment, you know, hugging everybody. And you, you, there's a, a kid from St. Jude hospital yep. out there. And it's very heartwarming and, you know, pictures and they're like, well, you're the greatest. And then that night I'm in a dilapidated dealer's house, you know, dilapidated house at a dealer and, and, you know, I'm getting a knife pulled on me and my life could have ended right then. Um, and just hours before I made 150, 180 grand, whatever it was on the PGA tour. And then in that moment, I'm about to be killed over some stupid $50 drug deal. The, uh, your family, they have any idea what was going on to the, to the depth that you were dealing with this addiction? Not at all. Nobody knew. Um, and I had a couple of girlfriends throughout that period on, on tour and, uh, and they didn't know either. Um, nobody really knew because I was able to be a fairly normal human for a period of time. It just depended on how many months I would string together of of using. Um, that's when the you know the real Jekyll and Hyde phase starts to come out. Um, when you do it, you know I don't, I don't you can't say popping pills is a social thing, but if I'd keep it in check and only do it like once a week, I was a normal person, but once you'd string them together, then you'd, you'd become just a miserable, you know, prick. How about consequences? Because uh, th that's a key to, to eventually either wanting to, needing to, having no choice, help. Did you have certain consequences or were they escalating in terms of the degree of the consequences you were experiencing in your life? The, the more the addiction was taking hold? I mean, I just lost a lot of weight and I just looked like crap. Um, I mean, my engagement dissolved, which that, you know, she was a lot younger than me, <laughs> um, a little different generation. Uh, I just thought she was really pretty, you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, my I lost my golf game. Um, thank God I was never arrested or, or, or um, you know, put in the hospital or whatever. I mean, I never I did overdose but i would come out of it um uh just my waning relationships that was a big one um i just want to be social i want to I, and i am a very social person um but i'm not when i'm on drugs so i was like i hated who i'd become my relationships were strained i couldn't get a girl to save my life not that i was really trying i didn't care but um you know i'm living in a camper i'm just like okay Life's got to change, so it's time to do a 180. Um, I've, I've never, I've never said this publicly before. Um, consequences. I'm sharing this now because I'm, I am inspired by what you're saying, and there was an inevitability to me talking about this. I lost my job at Golf Channel because I showed up to work at the U.S. Open drunk um, mm. in 2020, and wow. yeah, and and the people that had cared for me and. Uh, you know, knew that I had an issue, knew that I had a problem. Um, it just couldn't go on. And I'm the architect of my consequences. I don't hold any resentment at all. 
but that was an extraordinary consequence for me. It was something I loved, and it devastated yeah. me. Uh, and and even then, I, I and even then, Willie, like I knew I needed help, um, but I think that people wanted it for me more than I wanted it for myself. When you yeah. finally went to rehab, did you feel like you wanted it as much as the people around you felt like you needed it? Um, more so. I mean, I, I was the one that was feeling the physical and mental um, consequences. So, and uh, just fr- and emotional. Oh, my God. Um, I just so emotional all, all the times, you know, my suspicions of everybody and things like that. But, yes, um, I, I knew I needed it. I spent a lot of money on it. So I'm, you know, I'm into him for about a Honda Civic. Um, so, uh, but it was a great doctor in Atlanta that I could, you know, consider just saved me. Um, Krishna Donaparthi, it's a, uh, Eastern medicine, um, approach to recovery and, uh, it worked really well for me. Uh, it's just a shame more people can't afford it. Um, cause it does reduce the symptoms of withdrawal by over 70%. Um, they put this thing on your ear and it like shocks your brain and some wild stuff. Um, and then they pump you full of NAD, um, which is a naturally occurring uh, compound in your brain, whatever. And uh, and so I got a bunch of uh, infusions and um, the thing on my ear uh, that was there for six days. And uh, yes, uh, going all in on something like that, spending that amount of money. I absolutely knew it was time. Yeah. The, um, you know, it's interesting. All these these various forms. I'm, I'm glad that you brought up. You wish more people had the means to get it because it's, you know, look, we have an epidemic of, of drug use and alcoholism in this country and yeah. and the, the ability for people to to get clinical recovery in any form that they can is limited. It's costly, uh, but yeah. the mar- but 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 the market for it, it's never going away. It's only getting bigger because these yeah. problems are not they're 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 I mean, it is it, again. um I don't know how many people you came in contact with during your, your, your treatment period. Was a handful of people who were going through the same thing you were? Uh, fortunately, it wasn't a group diamond. Okay. Um, it was a one-on-one, um, and that's a little you know, more expensive, but I just didn't want to meet anybody else that was going through the same thing. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of uh, uh, just nurses and the doctor um, that, were, that were I was seeing on a daily basis. But, yeah, the... Uh, with the introduction of fentanyl, I mean, I just think this next uh, generation is just, I mean. It's scary. Bless them. Bless them. Yeah. No, it's, it, it, it's really, really scary. Um, one of the words that you used uh, that, I, that I heard and read was guilt. Uh, and it can be crippling, uh, the amount of yeah. guilt that people feel because of their behaviors and their actions. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this, not not, you know, for, for, for me or for you, but for everybody out there who may be struggling, you're, you're not a bad person trying to get good. You're a sick person trying to get well. And even Mm -hmm. though it's inevitable because of our human condition, you're going to feel guilt and shame and remorse. It's natural. Um, but there's a term in the program that I'm in, which is AA, uh, that you can't shut the door on the past, nor do you wish to forget it. Um, mm. is it important for you to forget or pardon me, to remember the path you were on? Um, I would say so. I mean, it's, um, you know, my, 
I'm not doing the NA or the AA because the, the group thing kind of weirds me out a little bit because I don't want to uh, meet other people because, I mean, alcohol is one thing. It's it's obviously much more accessible and more affordable than what I was doing, but uh, I just don't want to meet anybody that's in the culture that I was in uh, because it's way too easy to, a lot, especially around here, you know, blue collar area, people are struggling, you know, they see me might think, you know, this could be an opportunity to exploit some of it, whatever. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, you know, small town in Alabama. Um, but uh, I, uh, I definitely don't want to forget what happened. But at the same time, you know, the, I'm, I'm been saying over and over again, the past is the past. And, uh, and, you know, started dating a girl and she read the article. And I was just like, Oh, man. Um, I was like, how am I going to dig myself out of this one? Um, but but we both agreed that the past was the past. So she's been, so did she not know anything about your past and so, until she read the article? Unfortunately, no. Um, but I've only been good for a couple months now. Um, and I was going to get there. I was going to get there. But, uh, but yeah, I just didn't. I mean, it's embarrassing kind of, you know, I mean, I'm, obviously I put it out. I knew it was going to be that way, but it, it carries more weight uh, with different people in your life. So, um, but yeah, you know, she's, she's been awesome. And so have my parents. So, you know, um, embarrassed, like I said, shame, uh, remorse. These are things that, you know, look, we, we all have to deal with it in various ways. Do you have anybody to talk to about this? Do you feel like you need to talk to anybody about it? About the, what I just went through? Or well, what just, I yeah, I mean, what you continue, look, I mean, this is a lifelong thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I do. I, I do. I have um, close friends and I try to come in contact with someone every single day that would call me out um, because it's very easy to tell if I'm um, good, you know, if I'm okay or not. Um, because what I was doing, I mean, whether it's my the size of my pupils, my eyes being glassy, um, red, uh or just being lethargic, uh, not being outgoing. My voice is a lot lower. Um, there's a lot of, there's a big checklist for me. And uh, as long as I see somebody every day that can look at me right, and you know, I gotta look somebody right in the eyes and be like, I'm good, I promise. Um, that's, uh, that's a big one when it comes to the stuff that I was fighting. Because it, I mean, when you get into your thirties and take that poison, um, you can look right at somebody and be like, oh my God, they're on Mars. Um, so yeah, I just, I have a lot of accountability. Thank goodness. It's, I mean, it's necessary. Um, yeah. and I, I'm not saying that I, I, again, it's interesting, you know, we all have to, you know, we all have our, our way of, of, you know, staying sober for me. I've got to be around these people in my sober network. Cause I, you know, like if I talk to my wife about it, uh, it only goes so far because she doesn't like, she can't think like I do. Um, mm. and, and thank God. She can't. Yeah. Um, she can't identify with with the thoughts that go through, you know, your head like addiction will tell you you don't have addiction um, mm. and and the various other things that that will crop up that you fantasize about that you've got to squash right away uh, to, in order to do the things you do. I'm glad that you've got, you know, some people in your life. I mean, is it is does it come naturally for you to 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 be engaged like you mentioned your best friend and being around him and going to his house does that, I mean, are those things that you're finding gratification with on a regular basis, uh, being around people? Because you always seem to be so affable, uh, but you weren't right. And now that you are, is there, is, there, is there joy that you're getting from that, being around these friends of yours? 
Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I um I read a com a quote um that said um you know being isolated, not being social, uh has the same detrimental effect, detrimental effects on your brain as being addicted to drugs or alcohol. And uh you know it just depletes your you know ability to to you know uh, relate to people, have empathy, uh, want to help. You know, um, just be mentally present. So yeah, I every day make a big point to to socialize. I mean, that's a big thing. So I've gone from not socializing and being on substances to socializing as much as I physically can and not being on things. So so I think my brain is coming back pretty fast. It, it feels great. I don't have to. I don't get these waves of depression anymore. I got those for probably four or five weeks now that sucked but but now i now i feel good and it's just like you wake up and just do everything you can that day to you know win the day you mentioned before we got started that you played nine holes with your mom last night um mm. and do you do you find a sense of gratitude in having those moments while you're going through them now uh do you reflect on it afterwards like when you wake up this morning you're like wow i played nine holes with my mom on easter Something you yeah. probably wouldn't have done five years ago. I wouldn't have. Um, there's no telling what I've been doing. I, I definitely um, I try to be more present and help out as much as I can. And 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 you know I was I was gonna go just play nine by myself, and I was like, well, I'm not just invite my mom. Um, and we we'd been hanging out all day with Easter celebrations and stuff. But uh, but yeah, she came out and played nine, and you know she was born in 1959, so she's no spring chicken. She hoofed it with her bag, and uh, she's killer. Um, and yeah, but she's she's been my biggest advocate my whole life, and I hated for her to hear everything, but um, but it's honestly just the first little snippet. We got the book coming out in a cut, you know, whatever, six months, something like that. Yeah, uh, that would that would be fast. We've been working on it for two years. Um, but yeah, there's Mark's doing a great job with that. Um, Marky Baldwin, my man. Yeah. I, you know, the idea of, of, of writing a book and telling your life, um, you're doing it for yourself, which is, which is great. You have to, because, you know, deception, deceit, lying, uh, all those things which are pervasive when you're in the throes of addiction, you're only as sick as your secrets. And for mm -hmm. you to be able to, to, to talk openly and share this story, um, you know, you got to give it away to keep it yourself, which is sobriety. Is that the primary reason why you're doing this book? Uh, for sure. Uh, yeah. Accountability, um, just to unburden myself. Um, I think it'll help a lot of people. It's even this, this the articles help a lot of people. So I would imagine a book would do uh, that times whatever, you know, a hundredfold. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean, you know, the people that are helping me with it are, are very gifted uh, writers and um, you know, they've written many books and they're just, you know, people at firefighter sharp. I mean, Shipnuck's, if he, he gave it, he's like, dude, this is a wild story. You know, um, he's like, I, you know, I think what you guys are doing is what you need to do with this um, uh, crazy saga. So um, yeah, uh, I, I, it's, it's a therapeutic thing um, for sure. But I, I think it's also going to help a lot of people. And then the over th a thousand messages I've received from people that I would have never guessed were gone through it. Um, it's, I just think it'll be, it'll be, uh, people are going to, it'll humanize golf a little bit. Um, it, it, you will realize that not everybody's just a robot and perfect out there. No, every look, we all have our stuff. 
Um, and, and, you know, Michael Phelps said something that, that, you know, a couple years ago, and he's, he's, he's been very open about his own challenges in life. It's okay to not be okay. Uh, yeah. which, which, uh, again, it's nice to see that you're getting the kind of compassion and empathy that you have. I'm not surprised at all. I want to, I want to go back to, to Lanto and Andrew Loop. Have you heard from either one of those guys since the article, uh, came out last week? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lanto and I, we talk all the time okay. we had a great chat um and loop uh loop will be at the monday qualifier i'm playing in a week up in in um huntsville uh and so will james driscoll who's also the man um yeah. but yeah yeah loop and i have uh lonto and i we've had long phone conversations you know i'm going to his wedding in september and you know that's something i probably wouldn't have been able to do if had i had i not gotten my head right um granted who knows if i would have even been alive in september um but it's going to be at Pinehurst and we're super stoked. And then, uh, you know, I'm, I can't, I just can't wait. Uh, so Lonto's uh, been very, very, you know, the love we have for each other is, 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 is pretty, pretty bit, you know, it's a good thing. Uh, I, I helped him when he needed help and, um, and he became a world-class player, you know, and uh, he, I mean, I could, I can't believe he says the comment, you know, I wouldn't be where I yeah. am right now had I not caddied for Will. And that's just mind blowing to me that he, and so now he's, I think he moves into his new house this week and I'm sure it's pretty nice. And uh, <laughs> they've got a pool, they've got a pool house and they said, you can come crash whenever you want. I was like, dude, I'm going to take you up on that. But I just couldn't be any more, you know, he's so savvy with money too. Like he owns properties in Jacksonville and he's just doing great. Lantos, he was destined for greatness. His work ethic is incredible. Um, but it was such a, an interesting relationship we had. He had no status. I had PGA tour status and he's talking me off the ledge, um, you know, giving me a big hug being like, you're going to be okay, man. You know, good luck in Sony. You know, it's just like, uh, it was such a weird thing. Like he was my dad, um, but he wanted to be where I was. Um, and, and he was more impressed with me than I could have ever known. But at the same time, I was just a sad sack, you know? And, um, yeah. Um, Lonto has been the best. Well, just for those folks who don't know, he, he caddied for you at the Greenbrier, um, mm -hmm. and he had, I, I think he had less than $1,000 in his bank account at the time, and was thinking, yeah. this is it, 150 okay, I, that, that, yeah. you know, this is it. And so, not only did you play well, uh, you paid him like a guy who was caring for you every week, and you, you mm -hmm. paid him over $17,000, uh, yeah. which was the kick in the fanny that he needed to have the resources to go on um, yeah. and, and keep living the dream. And, and he's lived the dream. He's, he is, he's not only one on the PGA tour. Uh, the guy is, is a productive player. Uh, and I'm, and it's, it's great to hear that. Let me ask you something that you, you shared, uh, that can, again, everybody is different. Um, the idea of, of still drinking some alcohol and still smoking pot, does that scare mm. you at all? Um, I mean, I haven't had anything to drink in probably a week. Um, and it, it, it was, you know, one Tito's and soda. Um, and, uh, with the Eastern medicine approach that we are taking, um, CBD, a little bit of THC, that's just Dr. Donna Parthi has been, you know, yeah. um, I'm just, I talk to him a lot and, uh, and as long as I keep it in check, yes, I, I, I should not, I, I should abstain from alcohol for sure. And I, and I am, it actually kind of hurts my stomach now. Um, so I think that's my body telling me, you know, I'm shifting away from that. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, 
um, if people don't like THC, that's a them problem. The um, what is the most important thing in your life now? Um, being there for my family and friends, um, giving lessons, um, and uh, just trying to be, uh, uh, just to be a completely different person than who I was. Uh, I just want to be. I just want to be present and uh, and accessible for for the people that I love. You know, I it's obviously entirely different circumstances, um, but but I had Morgan Hoffman in here a little over a month ago, and Morgan played this past week, uh, and he's got he's got what is an in, an incurable disease. It can be treated uh, with muscular dystrophy, but he turned to alternative me- medicine like like yeah. you have um and and found really western mes- medicine uh to be it, it he was really turned off by the process and uh he found it to be kind of borderline inhumane the point i'm trying to make is is that he's still trying to keep that dream alive do you you mm-hmm. want to play again on the PGA tour do you not yeah i mean i do but i mean I know what it takes to make it to the PGA tour. Um, Grant, I've only been playing for a couple months. Uh, so I, you know, I think it's going to get better. Uh, but I am, my speed is back. Um, I'm hitting, you know, my six iron 200 yards, my wedge over 150, my driver's covering 285. Um, so, you know, it's just a matter of uh, getting the ball in the hole. Uh, I used to be a lot better at getting it in. I mean, I could hit it bad and shoot 66, 67. Now I'm kind of flushing it. I mean, I've shot some mid-60s rounds for sure, but, I mean, I'll flush it and shoot, like, even, and I'm just like, what just happened? Um, so um, I think it'll take a little bit more time, but I am going to give myself to the end of 2023 – and if it doesn't happen in that time, then I'll just give lessons and be be happy as a clam, you know, living in Alabama. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I just want to do it because I have a new backer. Um, so I'm not having to come out of pocket. Uh, the, the podcast is going well, so we're making some money off of that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy doing what I'm doing now a lot. Um, I did the professional golf thing for 13 years, so. If I don't make it, I'm totally cool with it. And that's what I'm trying to um, just, you know, it's not as dire as it was before. It's not like if I don't have status, I'm going to be, I'm a lesser, you know, lesser person. Um, I've got, I I know I've been able to engineer some new, you know, uh, little side hustles. The, um, the backer, the logo you've got on your shirt. um, Look, Mm -hmm. you can't do this without support. Um, and, And you mentioned the podcast. I want you to mention all those because, Again, without him, you wouldn't have the footing uh, to try to make progress to try to do this again. Yeah, yeah, and you have a great platform here. I should. Um, yeah, uh, we started doing uh, tier time, T-U-R-E time, um, with uh, Jim Renner, uh, who's an ex-PGA Tour player, and myself. Uh, we just did episode 10 with Ryan Armour. We had Johnson Wagner before that. Um, uh, we've got Matt Every on uh, Thursday, and then Graham Dillette the following week. The amount of uh, freak pga tour player talent we have on it is just crazy i mean it's like every richard s johnson mark calcavecchia um james driscoll spencer levine i mean that's a solid list heck yeah i mean very good it's stupid and and you know we're gonna have pat and desire um he's committed bond taylor um so it's it's a really fun thing i mean you know hour a week although we couldn't get calc to stop talking which was exactly (laughs) what we were praying for 
we were like, man, I was nervous going in. I was like, God, he's such a legend, you know. He's he won his first PGA Tour event before I was born. Um, actually, no, he won in September of '86, so I would have been a couple months old. Um, but uh, but I was like, man, okay, I'm going on with a senior tour player, a guy that I've been watching since I was a kid. Am I going to sound like a bumbling idiot? I took I took notes for like a day, um, and uh, and then we get in there, team up, and it was just like gone. And he talked about his childhood, about you know fun little stories that are surrounding the 89 British that he won um, and just expanded on so much. And it was just like, you realize how much those guys want to reminisce, want to talk about their good old days. And so I can't wait to have more uh, champions tour players. I think I called it senior tour before um, more champions tour players come on because they love reminiscing. Yeah, they do. And they, first of all, they're, they're also uh, pretty unafraid. It's like, I've done that. I've, I've, not that they still don't have sponsors. Uh, there is a righteousness about guys over 50 uh, and even more so with the guys over 60. Uh, I love talking to those guys. Uh, plus yeah. they have awesome stories. And then sub 70, uh, like the guys there have been very good to you as well. Subset, and I was going to mention that. I totally forgot to. Um, yeah, Sub-70 has been incredible um, since I kind of hung him up. Uh, Jason um, is the man, and he's been – he's the CEO founder. And um, I've good, become good friends with a lot of them. Uh, they invited me on the trip to uh, western Nebraska. Um, dismal something. Dismal it's River. Like, there go. You go. Go. Yeah, I just bought my ticket last night. I'm going. Um, but yeah, Sub 70 has been super cool. They're, they're, they're sponsoring the pod now, which is incredible. And uh, uh, Red Rooster Golf Gloves got a couple more that are hoping to hop on. And, and you know, through 10 episodes, I think that's pretty darn good. And, and th they've just been, I mean, so cool. I'm going to talk to Jason today, um, get the new 659s, because um, I got my clubs last fall for like the week, you know, spaghetti armed, Will. Now I'm 17 <laughs> pounds heavier. Wow. Um, put on 17 pounds in the last uh i mean it's like eight weeks um so um yeah i need x's again um so we got to get that dialed in before i start playing all right let me uh let, let's end this with these five quick questions uh what's the best shot you've ever struck um uh the seven iron from 196 in 2013 in the third round on the 12th hole when i won the south georgia classic i I had two hole outs that week um, and 12 was the hardest hole in the course. And I played it four under and on Saturday, I hold it from 196 with a seven iron. Um, I was that one. I was flushed. All right. The thing you miss most about the PGA tour. Um, camaraderie with my buddies. Um, although, you know, I don't, I don't think any of my really close crew are even on tour anymore. Um, but yeah, the camaraderie was awesome. Uh, the travel, um, just uh, getting under the gun and performing. I mean, it's just such an unbelievable high. Um, but yeah, I, I miss seeing my, my friends because I developed such great, great relationships, um, whether it was, you know, uh, caddies, players, uh, reps. Uh, I miss, I miss the, you know, just being with the boys. All right. The best player we have never heard of. Um, let's see. I mean, I played with a guy the other day who just got out of prison and, uh, he's been out of prison for a couple months and we played head to head. I won, but, um, this dude, his name's Cole. 
can't recur- recall his last name. He works in a bar um, in Aniston, and he he uh, he's just disgusting at golf. Like I put his I put his swing on Twitter. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. That, that lefty. Yeah. You never heard of Cole. And and <laughs> this guy, I mean, I was hitting my ten out of ten drive, and then he could get me by about ten yards. Granted, he has a good bit of height and weight on me, but I mean, this guy clears like you wouldn't believe and it's just cool like in alabama you got just different you know country folk that can just smash a golf ball and he's one of them all right uh what's your dream foursome uh well obviously tiger um tiger jack um always love playing with boo weekly oh that's a good mix all right last one your favorite go-to cuss word or phrase on the golf course um, you got to be fisting me. <laughs> There's more to that, but I don't want to say the whole thing. Yeah, let's um, not. Let's 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 leave it to everybody's imagination, Willie. <laughs> I heard that from a guy on the Corn Ferry tour, and I fell on the ground. All right, before I let you go, um, last thing I want to ask you: Can you imagine at this point now, having not told? your story to the degree that you have, and there's more to share. Can you imagine having not said anything yet? Well, I mean, that would mean that I was probably still struggling. Um, since Mark and I started talking about it two years ago, uh, you know, we've had this plan the whole time. And uh, then now when I had my massive uh, stumble and now with my, you know, the burgeoning comeback. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm glad that I did it. The first 24 hours was really intense. I had a lot of anxiety, but, uh, but now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm content with it. Everybody's reacted fine. Nobody's withdrawn from me. So, um, so uh, I'm, I'm glad I did it. It's it seemed to help a lot of people according to the messages and, and, and comments uh, and people reaching out. Um, so like yourself and uh, I did Danny Woodhead's podcast this morning and he'll be on the trip in Nebraska and Matt Slauson. Um, and a couple of uh, Navy SEALs, so um, maybe just one Navy SEAL. But all you need is one, uh, particularly in Western Nebraska. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to be safe out there. I know that. Um, You're going to that. It's going to blow your mind. It is. It is. It's amazing. Different world world in the dunes. No doubt about it. Um, Look, if anybody is retreating from you, they were never friends to begin with. Uh, I'm glad that you have been. uh, I'm sure. Uh, you know, emboldened by, by all the reaction that you've gotten. Uh, I'm really happy for you. I really am as somebody who is, uh, again, uh, not scared to talk about it, but I'm, I'm, I'm more inspired to do it myself and, and going forward. Uh, and you helped and I appreciate it. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, never would have thought I would have, uh, affected Gary Williams in a positive way. And I'm glad that I did. <laughs> Listen, take care of yourself. I look forward to catching up with you. Hope to see you. Yeah, absolutely. Same same to you. I appreciate again, Willie, taking the time uh, and sharing more details uh, of his story. Again, knowing that that was going to come out last week, it didn't deter me at all from wanting to have him on. It's not about, you know, who's being first. If, if you hadn't heard the story, I wanted you to hear it. Uh, and like I said to him, it, it is inspiring to me And as the day goes forward, weeks, months, years, uh, I'm looking forward to talking more about my own path uh, because I know it's going to help me 
if it helps somebody else. So thanks for taking the time and listening to this Five Clubs or watching on the YouTube channel, this Five Clubs Conversation. We'll see you next time.